Welcome to Married to Murder. I'm Clint. And I'm Summer. And we're a true crime podcast. Where I tell him all of my favorite true crime stories, and he's hearing it for the first time, just like you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a tale of murder. Hey, y'all. Howdy, y'all. Welcome back. We're here again. Welcome back to the real world. Right? Sucks. God, that was a good show. They need to put it back on. The real world? Yes. We watched the challenge. You can't talk shit about yeah. the real world when we watch the challenge. I, I, I watched some seasons of the real I world. I bet you there's you. a podcast on the challenge. I'm sorry to say we should do a podcast on the challenge, but I guarantee there's a podcast of people who review episodes of the challenge somewhere. Oh, I guarantee there is. It's already out there. I guarantee it. I'll have to Google it. All right. On to topics. Well, we're not going to talk about our lovely vacation. They don't care about that. We got to talk about it then. <laughs> so we don't get bad reviews. Are you sure? Turn them off. They talk too much. Too much banter. So. Married people who like each other. Rude. We saw red-handed, right? It was red-handed, right? <laughs> <laughs> Them's your people. I wasn't that concerned. Okay, but they had a big sign that said red-handed on the screen. That was partially blocked by a wall where I was sitting. Okay. You know this is true. You were thankful for that, and you know it. <laughs> we'll talk about it at the end, but yes, that is who we went and saw. And who else did we see that same trip? You were not listening. Vacation stuff is at the end. Okay. But trying to annoy people. That's what I do. I can't help it. You can say thank you for the most recent review. Yes. But you just said it. So why do I got to say it too? <laughs> we appreciate the really sweet reviews. And they make our day. Even if they're not five stars. As this, long, one, this one was. As long as you don't give us a one star and you're just bitching us out, we like you. I would say three and above. <laughs> but preferably five. Hey, I strive for mediocrity, damn it. You can do that alone. This is our podcast. Our podcast wants to be perfect. Oh, fuck. We're screwed. We might as well take all the episodes down then. Uh, we would hope people who wouldn't be unpleased with that. I know. I would be unpleased that we worked our asses off this far and you took them down. <laughs> well, thankfully for you, I have them all stored locally and they're all stored in the cloud. Good, because I have no idea how to do all that. That's what you're for. I am the tech guy. Yep. I is hacker. <laughs> <laughs> you're an idiot. That's what you are. Aliens? We haven't even got there yet. But we could. We might, but let me tell the story first. Okay. So it's story time now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Story time it up. All right. Story time. Story time. <laughs> if you're still listening, we are talking about the death of Suzanne Joven. If you're cussing me out through the radio, we're still talking about the death of if Suzanne Joven. If you're cussing Joven. him out and you have any words to cuss him out with, please go on Discord and send them to me. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I might run out of them. This special town I have. What can I say? This is why your coworkers feel sorry for me. <laughs> My coworkers love me. When you leave. Hey. So be it. <laughs> I don't care. All right. We are talking about New Haven, Connecticut, and Yale University 
specific. And Suzanne is killed on December 4th, 1998. So we're talking about pinky out peoples. This girl is so accomplished. It makes me feel so inferior. <laughs> like, she's the girl everybody wants to be. Like, she almost seems like a movie star person. Like, somebody couldn't be this real and this good. Oh, shout out to our listener on Discord that pointed out who uh, who Michael... Um, oh, Lord. You know what I'm... No, I don't know what you're saying. Guy we talked about, was it episode before last or last episode, uh, black guy killed his... Michael Jace? Yeah, Michael Jace, who he played, who was in Forrest Gump. She's our best listener. You should know her name. I know her Discord handle. I do not know what her name is, though. I know, because you're not a stalker. Well, you can still say her Discord handle. So, Luna, and I forget the numbers. I remember Luna. Luna, Luna work. <laughs> Shout out to you. So, Michael Jace played the Black Panthers leader in Forrest Gump. So, now we know. You know how long it's been since I've seen Forrest Gump? It's been a hot minute. My dad still has it on VHS down at his house. Your dad probably still has a VHS player or two down at his house. I know for a fact he has a video disc player. Yeah, there's a dead technology. At least one, if not two, record players. An eight-track player. At least two cassette players, and I'm I'm talking like home stereo, big motherfuckers that sat on the shelf cassette players. <laughs> None of this makes me happy. And he has media to play all of them. Whether or not they work is another story altogether. No, <laughs> just no. All right. Suzanne Nahula Joven. Nahula. It's N A H U E L A. It's kind of cool. Never heard it before. It's unique. She was born January 26, 1977. So one week after me. She's Not five. even a week, six days. Mm-hmm. And she was born to Thomas and Donna Joven. And she was born in Gottenhen, Germany. I may have pronounced that wrong. If you're listening in Germany, I apologize. Ah, the homeland. Clint loves Germany, so y'all just need to know. He's it's, a huge fan. If you listen in Germany, you are his people. It, I, I have German heritage. Okay. I'm sorry. I love my German cars. You know, there's that little stain in German history, unfortunately. It's not a little stain, baby. That's a big stain. Well, it's not everybody who lives in Germany's fault now, there. In the relative scheme of things, it is a little stain. But in modern history, it is a big stain. So, yes, I do like Germany. Okay, so Suzanne's dad, Thomas, was born in Argentina, which sounds like beautiful. And he went to the California Institute of Technology. He then received his MD from John Hopkins University. So we got some smart motherfuckers here. He became a molecular scientist and moved to Germany to work at the Max Planck Institute for Biophysical Chemistry. Okay. And he met his future wife and Suzanne's mother there. She's no slouch either. Donna was actually born in the U.S. and received her Ph.D. at Yale. After working at Stanford on a fellowship for two years, 
she was offered a position at the Institute in Germany. So they basically ended up running the Institute together after they were married. Okay, I feel stupid now compared to these people. I'm telling you, they're like, this whole family is like, like I, I accomplished. Feel, I feel like I need to put a helmet on and start licking the windows. Um, they're just super smart. All right, we're going to talk about Suzanne and Hull, but the, her parents married and they had three daughters, Ellen, Suzanne, and Rebecca. And this family actually lived in a 14th century Bavarian castle to make it even cooler. Okay. Your parents are like super smart. They're running this science institute and you get to live in a castle. Okay. I, I just, I want to point out one little thing in that regard. So a castle here, the U.S. was founded after castles were kind of a thing. So we never really had castles here except for those eccentric people that like to build them in random places. I'm not opposed. Yeah, but we definitely do not have any medieval castles here. Well, no. Which is why living in one is cool. It, I feel like it would have certain drawbacks, though. I don't care. I'm jealous. I can't imagine insulation and modern amenities would be all that great within a castle. You never know. I would love to try and see. If somebody <laughs> wants to like, give me a weekend or a weekend at Bavarian Castle, I'm willing to sacrifice. Make sure it's a trip for two, though. Nope. You complained. I'm going by myself. I, I want to visit one. I don't mean I want to live in one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to suck it up. I'll go visit another place and stay in a hotel for a week. I'm not going to live in a hotel. Some people do. Yeah, I'm not one of those Fancy people. rich people. No, they just... It's a hotel they just call an apartment and pay way too much money for. Same difference in my book. All right, let's get back to our story. Okay. So to continue to feel inferior, let's talk about Suzanne's older sister, Ellen. She graduated from Harvard in 1987. And received her master's in comparative literature from UCLA. Oh, really? And she's written a book on grammar. <laughs> she don't need to listen to us, then. Jesus. <laughs> Little sister graduated from Stanford. <laughs> and then Rebecca received her master's in international affairs from Columbia and works for the UN and lives in Austria. We're useless. Okay, so here's the question I have. What nationality would they, like, what is their home nationality? Where are they legal citizens of? The girls were born in Germany, so the girls would be technically German. But or would, at least partially German. Would they have a dual citizenship between Germany and America? Okay, well, their dad was from Argentina. So can you have a triple? <laughs> I don't even know. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> right. I'm sure they had dual citizenship. Uh, us lay people but do not know about this stuff. I don't know if you, because if you have one parent from Argentina, one parent from the U.S., and then you're born in Germany. I mean, you get the citizenship of the country that you're born in for sure. And then I would assume you get your mother's. <laughs> so I, I'm sure they had dual citizenship of their mother's United States. I just don't know if they had Argentina as well. The That's a cool thing for me to research for a future episode. The mother and father. The mother was American. Father was Argentinian, right? He was born in Argentina. 
Well, it's, technically, he's an Argentinian then. Yeah. I'm assuming they were married here in the U.S.? No, they were married in Germany. Oh. Or they met in Germany. I don't know where their official wedding took place, but they met in Germany. Okay, none of this has You're any... asking a lot of questions that you don't normally have. <laughs> it's a very well-to-do family. You're asking me questions that I don't... You want to talk about Taco Bell? I got you, okay? <laughs> Starbucks? Cool. Multiple like, citizenships within multiple countries? I've never been out of the United States. I am not the person to ask. I would like to know the answers to all these questions. Closest I've been is a few miles from the Mexican border. I've been to Mexico. That's it. Yeah, see, I haven't even been to Mexico or Canada for that matter. Well, we're and they're well. our neighbors. We're still alive, so let's keep holding on. I ain't holding a breath though. I won't be alive for long if I do that. God, All right. I qualify for them. Suzanne was fluent in German, English, and two other languages. Those weren't specified. Now, apparently. In your German high school, you major, and she double majored in chemistry and biology, like her parents. Smarty pants. And she went to Theodore Hoos Gymnasium. Now, I had to look this up because I'm like, is this supposed to be just the gym at the school? No, that's what it's called. The whole name <laughs> of the school it has gymnasium in it. Okay, so she's not just smart. And if you look at her picture, she's beautiful too. So she's smart. She's beautiful. Oh, and by the way, she played the cello and the piano. Because why not? I don't like these overly talented, smart, rich peoples. <laughs> like, kind of amazing. And she's a cool girl. Hold on. We're going to keep going. Oh, Lord. She spent summers visiting her grandparents in Mexico. So she was well-traveled as well. And for fun, she sang in several rock bands. So, she, by the way, she can sing. Are these nationally known rock bands or just little local gigs? Just local that I believe. I think okay. she just did it for fun because she liked it. Suzanne followed in her mother's footsteps and decided to attend Yale University located in New Haven, Connecticut. <laughs> Want to learn some stuff about Yale because I went down a pathway? I'm sure you rabbit hold the hell out of that one. Want to guess when Yale was founded? You should know it's old. Uh, I'm going to say 18-something. 1701. Oh, excuse the fuck out of me then. It is the third oldest university in the United States. You know their mascot. Mm, something unimportant? That's not nice. Well, we don't play them at sports, so. Technically, we could if they came down here and wanted to get beat by our baseball no, team. No, actually, we have played Yale a few times in a couple of various sports, I think. I remember it's blue is our lo little logo, but I don't know what it is. It's Handsome Dan the Bulldog. And why are you making a little goofy face? Because his name is Handsome Dan. That's hilarious. I love okay, it. Okay, we have a tiger named Mike. Who's also handsome. Whose real name is actually Harvey. And for the nerds in us, the Yale University Library holds more than 15 million volumes. Of what? Books, sir. Volumes of books. <laughs> Lots of books. Are they all first pressings? No. Oh, no. First pressings would be. And it's not the library with the most books in it, like the, as far as universities go. I don't know. But it's still pretty high up there. As of 2020, they had 65 Nobel laureates, five U.S. presidents. Can you name them? Which five U.S. presidents attended Yale? 
if you get this right, I will be annoyed because there's no <laughs> way I could have done this. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt it. Two of them are father and son. So the bushes. Correct. One of them absolutely did not have sexual relations with that woman. Oh, you're talking about old Billy boy. Yep. <laughs> How they let him in from Arkansas. So Yale. Who he paid off. And also Taft and Ford. Oh, I didn't get to guess those. You didn't give me some random fact about them I could have guessed on. Moving along. You want this to be the longest episode ever? Maybe. All right. They also have 263 Rhodes Scholars and 31 living billionaires attended <sighs> Yale. Why are there 31 living billionaires and why aren't they sharing their money with? What about the dead billionaires? I don't worry about them. They didn't give their money away to somebody. You Probably might, die. You might die, but your money didn't. Somebody was glad to take it from you, I assure you. As I say, you can't take it with you. Suzanne continued to get along with people at Yale as well as she had in Germany. She was extremely busy and was very sociable as she worked at the Davenport Dining Hall. Performed with the Bach Society Orchestra. Sang in the chorus. And volunteered her time to tutor elementary school children. Did she have any time to herself? In her free time. She played, she had free time? How? Hold on, we're not there yet. She played. How? She played squash, skied, and went running. How the hell did she have free time? I have no idea. She also was able to start a relationship <sighs> with a fellow student, Roman Cadillo. And what country was he from? I don't know, but he has a cool name. She double majored at Yale in political science and international studies. And her goal was that she very much wanted to change global public policy and decrease terrorist threats. This was all before 9-11. So she was very focused on all this. And her final paper was actually on Osama bin Laden. He was still alive. But he was a He's biggest he was a biggest, you know, the biggest terrorist threat. Cave-dwelling douchebag. I don't know how she had any free time. I, I don't know how she had time to tutor anybody. I don't know how she had time to practice an instrument. I don't know how she had time to double major. I would have slept. Nala, do you know how she had free time? Nala doesn't know either. Nala be helping. All right. We're going to do a very detailed timeline of Saturday, December 4th, 1998. Right. So this day started like any other day for an overachieving senior at Yale. She started filling out graduate school applications to Tufts, Columbia, and Georgetown. Because I've heard of all of them. I couldn't tell you where they're at. North. No, all the fancy much. schools are north. She then dropped off her revised version of her senior thesis to her academic <laughs> professor, Professor Jim Vandeveld, at 4 p.m. Like I said, that was on Osama bin Laden. Which kind of would have been a cool thing to write about, especially after everything that happened. Like, Osama her writing been, then. Osama been living too long. Not anymore. Was, was a saying before he got got. She then headed to Trinity Lutheran Church to host a pizza party for Best Buddies. So, Best Buddies was an international organization that matched, like, students with mentally or physically disabled individuals. So they would have a student partner, and then you would have this individual that was in need. They would match up, and then they would do stuff together. So they were doing a pizza party that night. 
And of course, she was heading it up. Thanks, Nala. The party finished, and then they cleaned up. So about 8.30, Suzanne offered to drop off some of the other volunteers using a borrowed Yale car. So they had this car lot, or car, not a lot, car lot, like, sounds like they're for sale, but. If we were in the UK, they'd say car park. I know. I, they really went through my head. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not car park. I mean, technically it is. We call them parking lots here. They, basically, it's a parking lot with a few different cars in it. And as a student at Yale, you could borrow them and you would sign them out and bring them back, which is kind of cool. I don't. Do universities still do that? Probably I, not. I'm sure the ones that you pay big money to get into, yes. Oh, no, that's true. Maybe I wouldn't say. expect them to do that at some place like BRCC. Because <laughs> you would never see that car after the first person took it. Well, I'm sure you had to like sign it out and stuff. I don't know. I mean, your college education is more important than a car. But either way, so she drops everyone off and then she brings the car back about 845. And this lot was located at the corner of Edgewood Avenue and Howe Street. Okay. Suzanne then walked the two blocks to her apartment at 258 Park Street, which was actually located above a Yale police substation. That is the dot that is on your map. So it's going to be following on a map because this is one of those cases that it's really good to know the map. And I'm going to to attempt to, but my assistant here is... uh, And I'm putting you in charge of taking a picture of the map and posting it on the Instagrammers. Oh. You told me it can be done. It can be, but... It's your one little tour. (sighs) (laughs) All right. Right after she got home, some friends passed by her apartment and asked her to join them at the movies. But she declined, saying she had schoolwork to do. So at 9.02 p.m., you need to pay attention to these times. She logged on to her Yale email account, and she emailed a female friend (laughs) in German that she was going to get some GRE study books from a person she had loaned them to, and then she would leave the books in the lobby for for the female friend to pick up. Now, those GRE books are like books that they use, like if you're studying for a graduate entrance exam. So she had loaned them to somebody and she says someone and doesn't name them in the email. We don't know who she loaned those books to. That person has never come forward. Those books have never been seen. Hmm. Wait, before we get too much deeper, is this a solved or unsolved? I don't like your face. I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> The information I've received so far, I'm going to say it is an unsolved case. Where's my bourbon? (laughs) Just listen. (laughs) I love you. Okay, I got your ass. All right. I don't do all unsolved. I haven't done a lot of unsolved. I've only done a few because I know you don't like them as much. But this was interesting. I need closure. I like closure too, but people need... Their loved ones' cases soft too. Although, wouldn't it be some shit if some somehow this podcast led to the solving of this one? That's happened with other podcasts. It wouldn't happen with us. We don't have a big enough following. We's not important. You know, even how big your following is, if the right person hears it, 
That's all if the killer takes. happens to be listening to us and is like, I would turn myself in now. Yes, we will guilt trip them into turning themselves in. They should. Bad killer. Go turn yourself in. Yeah, if you've murdered somebody, <laughs> go turn yourself in immediately. Right. All right. Suzanne logged off of her computer at 9, 10 p.m. So she wasn't on very long. She then leaves her apartment wearing the same outfit that she had worn all evening. So she didn't change like she was going on a date or anything. She just wears the exact same clothes she wore to a pizza party at the church. She's wearing jeans, some low-cut hiking boots, and a maroon fleece pullover. Okay. She headed to the Yale Police Communication Center to return the keys to the car that she had dropped off. So she dropped off the car, but she still had to drop off the keys. Makes sense. Now, there's a couple of different sources, a couple of different times. So we're going to say 915 to 922 because I've seen both those times. As she's walking. Okay, wait, we're in 98, right? Yes. So this is before cameras every damn place. Yes, exactly. And the cameras that did exist back then were not that good. Exactly. And also pre-cell phone. pre GPS tracking on everybody. You need a pointing device, ma'am? Mm-hmm. Okay, one second. I shall provide you with a pointing device. This here pointing device. Okay. So we are going. She's leaving her house. Her Speak apartment. into the mic, please. <laughs> yes, I'm staying in. Sophie's being the way. Okay. okay, so this is her apartment on Park Street. Okay. She is going to head through, this is all Yale School okay. area. So she has card access that like the regular person wouldn't be able to go through. So she's going through like different gates and doors and cutting through instead of walking like around down streets. She can just cut through. Because she's going over here. So before... She can get there. She runs into this fellow student, Peter Stein. Now, they stop and talk for like maybe three minutes, he says. He asks her, you know, how she's doing. And she's like, doing good, but I'm really, really tired. You know, just turned in my final paper. Uh, yeah, just she's wanted- tired. She doesn't fucking stop. <laughs> exactly. She's like, all I want to do is go to bed. He's like, I got you. <clears throat> He says later on, she did not have, like, a backpack with her or a purse or any type of, like, like, there was no item that was holding something. Like, she didn't have, like, a wrist wallet, you know, anything like that. So, presumably, these, I'm presuming she has got her keys and their access card in her pocket then. Right. She's got the keys, and she. he said she's holding, like, some papers like one to three papers, like just letter-sized papers in her hand. And that's all he sees with her. <laughs> For our overseas listeners, letter-sized would be very close to A4 size paper. Is that what it's called overseas? Yep. Why is it called different? What's wrong with letter? Because it is based on metric measurements overseas, whereas here we use imperial measurements. Oh, of course. You have to be difficult because we're weird-ass people. So... Most office equipment defaults to A4 for most things if A4 paper is available, which it is available here in the States. It's just hard to find. Interesting. 
and not readily available either. Can y'all tell he works with copy machine, Joe? No. No. It's, it's not obvious at all, is it? All right. So she returns the keys about 925. Now, Phelps Gate is close to where she returned her keys. So it's okay. like right here. So she's made it from here to here. It's and, about a three-block walk. Yeah, but like going straight across. Cutting through various the, buildings and whatnot. When she talked to Peter, she didn't seem anxious at all. She seemed calm. And where about in this area did she encounter Peter? Um, Probably like one street over, close to where High Street is. Somewhere in that general area. So somewhere in this general area? Yeah. Okay. And... She knew the officer that was accepting the keys because he had worked at the substation below her apartment. So he recognized her. He knew it was her dropping off the keys. They didn't really talk. He said she seemed like she was kind of busy. And he watched her walk away. Now, she did not walk away back the way she came. She didn't just like, okay, here's the keys. I'm dropping them off. I'm walking right back the way I came back to my apartment. Okay, so which way did she go? She turned left onto College Street, which is... This street right here? Where's your pointer at? Yes. Okay. So, once she leaves there... Okay, so for anybody listening that is wondering what she was talking about, I have two mice, like computer mouse, hooked up to the same computer. Because... He's crazy. I have reasons. So she's got one on her little stand that she's recording on. I have one over here by me. And we're both moving the mouse around on the same monitor. <laughs> yeah. But you see why you need to put the map just to make it a little easier. Yeah. She turns left on a college street. Now there is a hockey game going on on campus. Okay. And there's a girl who leaves the hockey game before it's over. And she does not know Suzanne, but she sees her between 925 and 930. And this student was walking north on College Street. <clears throat> okay. So, that is our last sighting of Suzanne. Going north on College Street. Between 925 and 930, north on College Street. Okay. At 9.55, a 911 call is made. So you were talking... 30-ish minutes? Max, if you give the long time. Someone spots a woman bleeding at the corner of Edge Hill Road and East Rock Road. Edge Hill Road and East Rock. I'm going to assume that is... It's not close by, sir. Really? It is 1.9 miles away. So she did not walk that far in 30 minutes or less. No. And have time to get murdered. Average, average person walks, just walking, not running, not jogging. Mm -hmm. And she had on hiking boots, so she wasn't like wearing sneakers or like running clothes. Walking, you typically anywhere between a quarter and a half mile and about 20 minutes. Same. All I know is she did not make it there. (laughs) 
Not on her own, at least. No. So the working theory is that she somehow was placed in a car. But at 9.55, when that 911 calls made, because they've spotted a young woman bleeding and lying in the grass, and she is on her stomach between the sidewalk and the road. So, like, she's face down, kind of like her feet are almost in the road. Okay. And she's actually still alive at this point. Okay, well, that's good. She wouldn't make it very long. She was pronounced dead at the hospital later. I I figured that much. Otherwise, we might not be sitting here talking about her. We talk about survivor stories, and we love them. Fair point. Do you not remember Allison Botha? Yes, I remember. Kick-ass survivor. The coroner would find that Suzanne's throat had been slashed. Ouchies. And she had 17 stab wounds to the back of her neck and head. Ouchies. But surprisingly, the medical examiner deemed that only one of the stab wounds was fatal. Really? Yes, that's the odd thing. Oh, man. As useful as a knife can be, it is not the most reliable weapon in unskilled hands. Weapon? Weapon. It's a weapon. The knife was (laughs) determined to be four to five inches, non-serrated, and made of carbon steel. Okay, most, if not all, knives that are meant to hold an edge are going to be made of carbon steel. You cannot sharpen mild steel. broke off. Into her head. Okay, that's, again, fairly typical. Most knives. But our police department didn't try and identify what knife it was that we are aware of. <clears throat> okay, well, that would be extremely tough because there are a thousand different knife profiles and metallurgies for different knives. I have a question for you where we're talking about the knives. Okay. So there is a documentary, the one that I was watching, called The Green Jacket Killer. Okay. And the Green Jacket Killer documentary is made by a childhood friend of one of the suspects. So I would say he's a little biased. Still had a lot of good information. He knew the area. It helped a lot when looking at the maps and that kind of thing. So if you want to go watch it for the maps, I highly recommend as far as that goes. I'm guessing this documentary pertains to this case. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And his, his theory is the Green Jacket guy is the one who... Killed her. We'll get to that. But he's also of the theory that the knife was <laughs> an exacto knife. I don't think an exacto knife would do this. Like I, and he's because only one was fatal. Okay, how deep were these stab wounds? They don't say. They just say that the knife was determined to be four to five inches. Because. I actually have exacto knives. I know. That's why I'm asking you, because I know you're very familiar with them. This is your standard exacto knife. The only part that cuts is from here up. Yeah, I didn't. You're talking about. I was like, is there some kind of other exacto knife that I'm unaware of? No, I mean. Because I feel like it would break on the first stab. Like, I feel like if you tried to stab a. No, I can tell you for a fact they will not, because I had one of these motherfuckers go straight into my foot. Okay, but you did it to yourself, and it just dropped on you. You weren't trying to force it into a woman that was trying to run away. Well, I picked up the tackle box I was storing all that stuff in, barefooted off the top of my dresser, and it wasn't latched, and the knife 
said kaboom. Yeah, so right accident. My foot. You were not a woman trying to flee a murderer. Yeah. Who then who was able to stab her? The only know, other times. type of knife I could think of that could possibly have this thin of a blade and potentially be four to five inches, but I think even then, most of them are smaller than that, are the little box cutters with the little, you click it out and you, when one part of the blade gets dull, you break off that little small part of the blade and throw it away. But even those, they're little flimsy shit. It didn't make any sense to me. He was trying to link it to that person that he wants to say is the killer, and I was like, I think you're reaching on that. But I figured I would ask you. Yeah. I can tell you from, for a fact, it would take a lot of effort and a lot of really, 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 Good Lord. Really, really well-placed cuts and or stabs from a a three-quarter inch long blade from an X-Acto knife to kill anyone. I think you could kill somebody with an X-Acto knife. I just don't think you could stab somebody repeatedly 17 times with the same X-Acto knife and it not break sooner. Maybe I'm just wrong. No, and honestly... The exacto knives, where they secure the blades, is a changeable blade in them. Those they loosen up relatively. And I quick. feel like if a, an exacto knife versus a regular knife, uh, I know there's different types of knives. I get that, but I feel like if you're saying it's a four and a half inch non serrated blade, that's very different than saying it's an exacto knife. I feel like you. Yeah. I feel like a <laughs> medical examiner and or. Forensic specialist could tell the difference between a knife and an exacto knife. This is a two and a half to three inch blade. It's just your standard, you know, lock back pocket knife compared to an exacto knife. Yeah. Like, I just don't see how it's happening. I don't know why he thought that. One is insanely sharp, but delicate. One is tough and can hold a good edge, but is generally not as sharp as an exacto can be. So Suzanne was murdered at 21 Just six weeks before her 22nd birthday Sadly Now Edge Hill Road Wasn't a very long road And like we said It's actually located Between Yale and the Eli Whitney Museum Which I found interesting Really? Yeah So it's about 1.5 miles off of campus And the corner where she was found Was about 1.9 miles from where she was last seen At 930 (laughs) So the popular belief, as we said, is that she willingly entered or was forced into a car for that 20-plus minutes. Okay, so I have a question. Okay. I am presuming that... Don't presume a lot. These cops are going to make you not presume a lot. I am presuming that there are businesses along in this area, along the roads. I do not know this there's, for a fact. Actually, there's houses around where she her body was found. Okay. It's not it's residential. Okay. Now, depending on which route was taken, because there's more than one route to get from where she was on college to there, mm-hmm. you could have passed businesses or residences. Okay. Now, apparently, she had a fresca addiction. 
Roscoe, that's that. I was going to see if you knew what it was. Isn't that basically uh, carbonated water with a very, very light flavoring? It's a pineapple drink. Whatever. Same difference. But she really liked them. And a Fresca bottle was found in the bushes nearby that had her fingerprints and an unknown palm print. You're like, we got you, right? Mm. We got the palm print. Has to be the killer. Has to be somebody. We need to know who this person is. Well, yes, a palm print can be useful. Palm prints are not generally logged, if I'm not mistaken. No. It's generally your fingerprints. They do. With the modern technology. Yeah, they the do whole keep palms now. Yeah. yeah, they do everything now. But, but then. Back then, it was all fingerprints on ink cards. Shit. Only one supermarket in the area was open <coughs> that evening that sold frescas. And remember, she did not have a bottle in her hand when she talked to Peter. Okay, and I remember she didn't that. appear to have a bag or any type of place to place a bottle that he wouldn't have seen. Can I throw a theory? You want it right now? No, I'll save it. You sure? Well, maybe our killer brought her the fresca. It's possible. But maybe the killer brought her the fresca but drugged it. Oh, see nobody. That's a good theory. But there nothing showed up in toxicology that we're aware of. Okay. Maybe the drugs are that, that police have announced. <coughs> There's police are still holding like a lot of stuff. So that we are aware of. Well, it's still an unsolved case. Okay. Nineteen what? Ninety-eight. Okay. One year away from partying like it's nineteen ninety-nine. At this point, let's let some stuff out. Okay. The store was located on York Street near Elm and was one block south of Suzanne's apartment. So she did go there pretty frequently. So they, York and Elm? Yeah. Okay. You can continue talking. I'm okay. trying to find it. Well, if oh, you... right here. Yeah. So is it possible that she went down college, <laughs> turned left onto Elm, and was heading to get her Fresca bottle on the way home, and that's why she didn't go back the same way? Um... Theoretically, yes, but I would think it would be quicker to go, you know, use the same cut through she used through. And then just turn on to York? Yeah. Go up to the corner and then continue up Elm to Park. Yeah. And like you said, we don't know if she bought it. The store did have video footage. Okay. The police never went and looked at it. Oh, what the hell? Or interviewed any of the employees. What the hell? So we don't know if she bought it there, if somebody else, maybe somebody else came and bought it, like you said, and then brought it to her, knowing that that was her favorite drink. Use it as a lure to get exactly. in or into the vehicle. Exactly. Maybe if they'd actually looked at the footage, that would have been slightly helpful. Okay. The, the unknown palm print, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in. Because somebody had to put that drink on the shelf at some point in time or another. Well, they could have compared the palm prints to the employees if they'd been smart and but and ruled them out. If I'm also, if I understand correctly, fingerprints and palm prints do have a finite life 
span right. on a surface because they are essentially the latent oils on our skin that get left behind. Correct. See, that's smarts. <laughs> and they probably, if she just got it, it would have been something that hadn't been out too long. So it probably would, unless they just fired somebody recently, it would have probably been a current employee who filled the coolers and you could have tested them and then said, hey, none of you guys match. Or if they did match, you could say, let's look at you a little bit. You know, did you have a crush crush or whatever? You know, but then you could say, oh, no, he was working during the time. Yada, yada. But you could have made some progress. Just because you, you were some working stuff during in, the time ruled, doesn't mean you didn't sneak you know, out and flip kill the some... sign on the door real quick, go out, kill somebody, and come back, flip the sign back again. Okay, well, he probably wouldn't by himself. We don't know. But, I mean, uh, Jim, these are questions the police should have and could have answered. Generally speaking, from my experience, most convenience stores, when they get outside of peak hours that they're typically busy, only really have one employee. Most convenience stores. Which means if you caught somebody, if somebody came by and was like, uh, I came out of the store and it said closed, but they're usually open till 10 and blah, blah, blah. And they would be pissy and they would front you out. You would think that, but then again, people didn't have quite as fragile of an ego back then as they do now. That's true. I do expect things to be open all the time now. <laughs> like, I really wish Starbucks was open till 10. Devils. Oh, boo. I bet hoo, place, hoo. I bet we have listeners who live in places where the Starbucks is open until 10, but not here in Louisiana. Uh, there used to be a 24-hour coffee shop down in Louis- down by LSU. Okay. But not anymore. No. It's now a bicycle and that was shop. Like a that was like a real coffee shop. It was Cafe Chi Alpha. I went to Coffee Con when I was there, because that's where cool people went. They're open until like 2 a.m. Uh-huh. And they're still around. And they're amazing. And if you're here, go get their beignets. Or if you're in New Orleans, take your ass over to Cafe Du Monde. Or Morning Call it is? Yeah, Morning Call is where we went last time. Both of them, excellent beignets. All right, so the New Haven police, <laughs> they start a search for a killer. Suzanne was not sexually assaulted. Like her clothes weren't even messed with. She was fully dressed. Okay, so that's good. But it takes away a motive. She also didn't appear to be robbed. Her watch and her earrings were not taken, and a dollar bill was found in her pocket. And her wallet was later found in her room, so she didn't have a wallet taken either. Okay, she... uh, I do not know what the price of frescoes was back then. (laughs) I did not drink those things. Well, I mean, you're asking for too much. Maybe she had $3 on her and gave the change. Or maybe she had a $5 on her. Like, you don't yeah. know. Like, I mean, there's no way to really figure that out. The surveillance footage would have been how you figured that out. Not this saying, just saying. Seems like easy stuff to do. I'll, I'm going to jump on the band by bandwagon everybody likes to jump on nowadays. It was a hate crime. Against who, Germans? You never know. Against really, really, like, overproductive people? <laughs> Overachiever much? I can see a jealousy crime. I don't see a hate crime. You know they lump everything in the hate crime now. All right. So do you remember Professor Jim Vandeveld? Mm, I remember you saying the name. That's her advisor. Okay. And she dropped her final little project off to him. 
her Osama bin Laden paper off to him. Correct. So James Vandeveld had grown up in Orange, Connecticut, and attended Amity Regional High School. He played baseball, tennis, and soccer. He's also another overachiever. He was, these overachievers? He was also student council president and attended Yale, where he majored in political science. Then he received his Ph.D. from Tufts. And in 1993, he became the dean of Saybrook College at Yale. Now, he left. He was also in the Navy. So in the Navy. He left temporarily in 1997 to work in the U.S. Naval Reserve in Italy and to be the executive director of Stanford's Asia-Pacific Research Center. Because, you know, he probably didn't have enough to do. He returned back to Yale in 1998, and he had a spotless record. Suzanne was initially extremely excited to have him as her advisor. He had lots of experience, had a stellar reputation. But as time continued on, she began to complain to her friends and her mother about him. He was clingy? No, he was actually the opposite. He didn't give her enough attention that she thought she needed for her peace. She was clingy. No. She just wanted, she was obviously a perfectionist. She wanted to make sure her shit was done right. Yeah, 95% is good enough. So she never complained and said he made her feel uncomfortable. She just felt like she wasn't getting the response that she needed to get her paperwork done. But she turned it in that day and nothing else was said. The police decided, although no one reported, there's no, like, diary entry, nobody has seen them together, that Suzanne, Miss Perfectionist, always getting her shit done, volunteering, must have been cheating on her boyfriend with her advisor. Okay, they, these police are idiots. And they got in a fight and he killed her. These police There's are There's no idiots. physical evidence. There's no proof that... They had ever even much <coughs> talked about having an affair, much less had an affair. Her boyfriend was like, absolutely not. She didn't do that. But they brought him in, and they interviewed him four days after her murder. Now, he offered to, like, to take a lie detector test, and he offered to let them search his car and his apartment. And they're like, no, no, we're good. Okay, but this, you're still our top suspect. This police unit is incompetent. This is why we're talking about this case. This is a solvable case. Once again, police fuck up the investigation. Why? Why? Despite not being arrested or having physical evidence against him, Vandeveld fell under a cloud of suspicion. Yale canceled his spring classes. And he never worked there again. What the fuck? We'll talk about him in a minute. I'm calling bullshit on that. And this is for the damn police department. Because they fucked this up. Big time. And they announced him publicly (laughs) as a suspect. No, you do not do that until you've got some evidence to support that. So, of course, you're on a college campus. If female students think you killed your student, they're not going to want to take your class. It's going to cause a problem. Exactly. Or else they're going to take your class and like do nothing but gossip the whole time and not listen to your lecture. And I just want to point out, if a student was having an affair with a professor, like is being proposed here, 
you damn right people would find out about that and spread that shit quick. Somebody would have known. I feel like exactly. somebody would have known. Like, she probably would have told her sisters or somebody. But nobody ever came forward and said, to this day, has come forward and said, they absolutely were having an affair. I know about it. <laughs> they just decided this. Like, you're like, like, I was researching this, and I'm like, okay. So, they like, like, they like this guy for the case. I'm like, okay. Can we go up to Connecticut so I can slap a few retired police officers? Oh, it's not even just the retired ones. Hold on. So, oh, Lord. So... I'm like researching it. I'm like, let me get to the part where I'm like, surely there's something that they find later on that made them go, oh, this is what, you know, we see that made us think that he was good for it. And it was literally the fact that she complained about him to her friends and her mother was the only thing. And they just derived the affair. (laughs) Are you just going to drink some bourbon because of this? Yes. (laughs) Okay. It's an apt-ass fucking police unit. Will it make you feel better to know that he sued the New Haven Police Department in Yale? I hope, like, fuck, he won. It was settled out of court, and the city paid him $200,000. Yale paid him, but we don't know how much. That's an undisclosed amount. It was not enough. And he currently works at Johns Hopkins Center for Advanced Governmental Studies. He's also an adjunct for the School of Foreign Science at Georgetown, and remains a lieutenant in the U.S. Naval Reserve. Okay, so this inept as fuck uh, police unit didn't completely fuck his life up. Just got him out of Yale. I mean, he, for years, years and years and years, was listed as a suspect. We'll talk about him one more time later. Okay. Right after the murder happens, a female driver reports to the police that the night that Suzanne died, a white muscular man in a green jacket approached the passenger side of her car, pressed his face against the window, and then ran off. What the fuck? (laughs) That's why she reported it. So this is... Drugs are bad, okay? This is in the area of Whitney Avenue and Huntington Street, and it was about 10 p.m., so it would have been after the murder. A police sketch was made of the man. Now, this was not released right at the time of the murders. We did not find out till almost two years later about this report. Because they held a ton of stuff back. Why they did not release this in the police sketch and everything, nobody knows. They so badly wanted this to be Jim Vandeveld that they showed her pictures and she's like, no, that's not him. They drive her by... Like, where he worked and where he lived, so she can see him in person. She's like, no, it's not him. So then they basically buried her statement for a few years. And this is why I drink. (laughs) In 2000, under pressure, because Yale had done such a shit job, they they paid for their own investigators to look on the case. And these were retired police detectives. Still not solved. In 2001, unknown DNA was found under Suzanne's left-hand fingernails. What? So her left hand, fingernails on her left hand. Wouldn't they she come, have been buried by this point? They had it. They're just announcing it. Uh, like, oh, by the way, we have DNA. Well, excuse me. I'm telling you, a lot of stuff you don't find out till way later because you're like, <laughs> wait, when did this come out? Like, 2011? Like, what? Like, it doesn't make sense. 
So they, October 26, 2001, they start asking for voluntary samples of DNA. Yes, not till 2001. Which, what? granted, DNA got better, so... I understand DNA wasn't as big of a thing back in the 90s and before. But. Go ahead and collect it and hold on to it. Right. If you know it's coming down the line, go ahead and get this. You know, get you some. And these are voluntary. So they're asking for like friends and associates. Now, there's also in 2001, police reported finally. A tan or brown van was stopped in the roadway facing east, immediately adjacent to where Suzanne was found. That's all we know. We don't know who reported this. We don't know how they got that. We do know that a brown van was impounded November 8th, 2001, but no further information has come about that. Okay, there's like a million fucking brown vans. And they weren't very clear with what adjacent meant to them. That's a vague word to me. I mean, especially at a corner. We don't even have a year make model. Well, just brown van. Ooh. It could be UPS trucks for all you know. They're big and brown vans. <laughs> we are in 2009 now. <sighs> What's the cost of a plane later. take to Connecticut? 10 years later. September 14th, 2009, the Javens write a letter to the Connecticut governor at the time, Jody Rell, because their daughter's DNA had still not been tested 10 years later. What the fuckadoodles? Yes, I just said fuckadoodles on record. They, the, according to them, potential forensic investigations made possible by significant advances in technology in the intervening decade are now being carried out, or not being carried out, sorry are not being carried out due to shortcomings in the Connecticut Forensic Science Laboratory. So basically they're like, okay, all your excuses are done. We've made advances in the past 10 years. Why are you still not testing this? That's a good damn question. Well, the governor's like, we just got like a backlog. Like you see, we just got a lot of stuff to get tested. We're so sorry. But they write the letter in September and the DNA is tested in November. Suddenly that backlog got fixed. So it would seem. There's a match on the DNA. Is there? Yeah. Don't get happy. They find out that the match is to a retired technician and it was contamination. So we do not have a match. False match. False match. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so in two this is a Unsolved case. Go down this road with me. We're going to go down this road. A lot of times I wouldn't be mentioning this kind of stuff. In 2011, Giles Carter reported that a friend who was a former Yale graduate student came to his apartment. The friend appeared anxious and stated he was obsessed with Suzanne's death. He later passes away from a suspected suicide a few months later. Now, the Green Jacket documentary goes further into this because this is the person that they believe. They believe that this is the person who was wearing the green jacket and they believe this is the killer. And his name is Billy. Now, this person was able to find pictures of Billy in a green jacket, which doesn't prove you're a killer. He also had some psych issues. Okay. 
I kind of feel it's more likely that he was on campus when this murder happened and with his psych issues, he became obsessed with the murder because it's very popular. I mean, it's a well-known murder in the town. They're constantly, you know, putting up posters, revisiting it, that type of thing. It's constantly talked about and that along with his psych issues caused it caused a problem. You think? I think to put this murder off on somebody with mental health issues is not the way to go. No, not in the least damn bit. And especially somebody who can't defend themselves now. Yeah, it, that's not right in the least bit. It was reported to the police, and the police did not investigate it to confirm or deny it. And they didn't test his palm print and get rid of it. Like, oh, no, it absolutely wasn't him. I don't like this police department. Join the club. It took until 2013 for Connecticut's chiefs. (laughs) Your eyes got so big. (laughs) That is when the Connecticut chief state's attorney stated that Vandeveld was no longer a suspect. So that's how long he was. uh, They were considering him a suspect. And how long it took for them to be like, oh, no, it really actually wasn't him. Oops. And they still did not apologize. (laughs) They just said he wasn't a suspect, but they never apologized for purposely leaking his name to the media. Oh, my Lord. Um, I can't with these people. In case you're wondering, Vandeveld's DNA did not match the DNA under her fingernails, and his palm print did not match the Fresca bottle. I didn't figure it would. All right. We're going to get the tip line, and then we can discuss it. The tip line, if you have any information, is 866-623-8058, or you can email Joven, J-O-V-I-N, dot case, at CT, as in Connecticut, dot gov. Now, according to Connecticut's official government website, the case is now being handled by the Division of the Criminal Justice Cold Case Unit. The state has offered a $50,000 reward, and Yale has offered a $100,000 reward. So, so for those counting, that's 150000 So if you know something, call the little number and also call the media, because this police department seems to suck. Get paid, fool. Right, I'd be perfectly happy if they paid a hundred and something thousand dollars out to somebody, and we found out who did this before they die. Would be great. Well, maybe they're already dead. Now, if you ask them questions, okay. So, a couple other things that they did. So, completely dropped the ball and fucked this case up. Yeah. So, Henry Lee is a world-renowned criminologist. He testified in, like, O.J.'s case, um, the staircase murders, like, all kind of stuff. The owl did it. Well, maybe we'll do it one day. Furby <laughs> said, and if I need a shirt that says owl did it, and they make them. But. And if the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit. That's bullshit. Fuck that glove. <laughs> so, no glove fits when you're trying to put it on a hand when you got your hand like this. All also, spread out. Well, also, it had been shrunk. Exactly. Leather shrinks. Idiot moment. Bad prosecutorial moment. But he is actually from New Haven. So this was his hometown. So when he heard about this murder, he calls the police like 
days after the murder and is like, hey, you know, can I come help y'all? Like, you've got this scientist that is world-renowned offering to come help you in your little bitty police department. And they said, oh my God, yes, please come down right now. I call bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're like, oh no, it's about to be, we're about to make a rest. We know who did it. It was the aliens. They thought it was Vanderbilt and they were like, and he was like, they said it was solved. He's like, so I left it alone. It was the aliens, I'm telling you. How are you going to say we're about to have a rest four days after the murder and then it's 2023 and y'all ain't solved shit? Okay, so what I'm learning from this, if you want to go do something stupid and kill somebody, go to Yale and kill somebody at Yale. You'll never get caught. There is a soft murder at Yale, on Yale University, so it must have had different detectives. I'll have to see which detectives worked on that. But there is a soft murder that we may cover one day. Oh, Lord. But they'd have been stupid not to get that one right, because that one was obvious. But anywho. But. Producer Luke says it's time to wrap it up. He's fine. He has emerged from his burrow. <laughs> You're making me lose my train of thought. It's easy to derail. Shh. All right. So, <laughs> stop it because I want your theories. I already kind of spit them out. Who do you think did it? Some rando. Okay. So, she is on her way. Do we think she's on her way home or do we think she's on her way to go meet the person that has the GR, GRE books? Because what is the reason? That the person who had the GRE books would never come forward. They have asked publicly for this person to come forward and name themselves. Maybe this person is some sort of weird recluse that doesn't watch news. How likely is that? Maybe the person was an alien. If you borrowed books from somebody and they got murdered, you don't think you would, like, look into it? I think I'd be like, oh, my God, I know this person. Even if you, like, just knew them, like... Very sparingly, like if you just had like one class with them or something. Okay. Um, I'm going to throw a potential theory at you on that. They borrowed the books, did whatever they need to do with the books, and then skipped town. Have had an emergency. Who's studying for a graduate entrance exam and is like, bruh, I studied really hard. Now I'm going to skip town. I don't know. And I would think if you're going to pick up books from somebody. You might have your books back with you. You would have some sort of transportation method. Either a book sack, a bag. I you thought you were going to say like you needed a car like to go pick up some books. I'm like, I don't no. think college students use cars to pick up books. Because <laughs> you said books. I'm assuming two or more. Correct? Yes. And if I know one thing about School and education related books. They're thick. They're thick. They're hardback and they're fucking heavy. They're not necessarily hardback, <laughs> but these are big. But more often than not, they are. Yeah, the study guides are usually like a that softer back, but they're still big. They're still an inch wide. Yeah, I mean, paper's heavy. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So maybe she wasn't going to meet somebody. So maybe, it, maybe her plan was go drop the keys off on the way back. Pick her up a freshka. That's the reason she only had a dollar. So somewhere in getting her drink, which is a block from her apartment, mm-hmm. she was kidnapped. 
It's entirely possible. It's so random. Like, that's so random. To think you're a mile away from your apartment, which is under a police substation. and all Not you- even a mile. That's true. Well, I said a mile. I'm in a block. A block away. And somebody just happens to be driving down the street, which these are college streets. I'm assuming usually any of the streets around colleges like that are pretty narrow. They're not like four well, lane. I'm, I'm going to throw this out since you're kind of stuck on the that's random. It wasn't that long ago. And Baton Rouge is a bit of a college town to a degree. Don't you bring up my serial killers? I'm not. I'm bringing up that poor girl that was shot on Government Street, literally at stopped at train tracks waiting that for was a train. Gang to activity. It's still random. She did not have beef with that game. She did not have history I knew, with that but... game. She was a random victim of that game. Okay, so let's tell them about what happened real quick. So you kind of you're talking. She's <clears throat> an example of. So what happened? Man, I, I don't know all the details. I'm sure you know more than I do. But, if you get them wrong, I'll correct you. <laughs> basically, this girl, a local college student, was stopped at a red light on one of the major roads leading from our downtown area. She was headed home. She'd been out with her friends, and she was headed back to her apartment by LSU, and she got stopped by the train tracks. Yeah, there's a set of tracks that run right alongside of the downtown area. So she was eating her french fries while she was waiting on the train to pass. And she she's sitting like right in front of a... Fairly major and popular late night place. Or not super late night, but yeah, they're open later than most. So apparently while she stopped at this train, um, these little gangbang pieces of shit decided to put a couple bullets in her. I put more than a couple. Well, I don't know the numbers like you do. I mean, it was a lot, but understand random i don't i say i understand it i do understand it to a point like that kind of thing but to i I feel like there wasn't enough blood at the scene to say she was killed there so that seems more like a dump site that so she was probably pulled into like a type of vehicle killed in that vehicle and then if you're going to randomly kill somebody i feel like you would want to spend more time with them maybe i'm just crazy Maybe. I feel like around Yale, there's not going to be a whole lot of gang activity. Just given the... I think that actually New Haven is not the safest place. From what I... Surprisingly. From what I've read. I wouldn't believe it. Or I, I would believe it. I wouldn't believe it. What the hell am I saying? I would believe it. Hmm. But... But I mean, we're, I don't know about 1998. But as far as what I've heard since then, it's not necessarily the safest place. But... I think they try and keep the campus itself safe, but off campus, not so much. Well, it seems like the area she was in was would be considered on campus. Basically. So, right next to campus or on campus. I mean, hell, look at LSU for... No, that's not... Don't you talk <laughs> bad about my school? I'm not talking bad about school, but you literally go through the north gates of LSU on Highland Road. You go three blocks away, and... You're in a bad area. A very bad area that, unless I have to stop because of a red light, I do not stop in that area at night. You're going to stop for a train, and then you can get shot. 
Well, there's no trains that run along the highland through that stretch, so we're safe. And I know my way around trains in the downtown area. There's one road that goes over the tracks. So because she did not plan this, you know, it wasn't like, hey, I'm trying to meet up with somebody, or hey, she told people, I'm going to do this in this such area. And it was such a quick, I forgot to tell y'all, the boyfriend was completely cleared. Um, he was on a train. He was completely cleared for the time. So, yeah, hard to be two places at once. Yeah, because it was such a small time frame. They could do, they could, I mean, it was really such a small time frame, and they had our whole day planned out. Like, they really had a ton of evidence. I feel like this case could be solved. It's so frustrating. I feel like a good police department would have kick-ass solved this. But not but an they incompetent got one. so hooked on this professor. I wonder if, like, for some reason, somebody had encountered him and just didn't like him, which is a horrible reason to try and frame somebody for murder. But. That's the only thing I can think of is he, somebody on the force didn't like him, and they pushed hard to make him suspect one. <laughs> so th- that makes it feel more random and not like somebody who knew her, which it would make sense as to why it's still not solved is because that's harder. Given the dump location and the limited information that I have been given, I'm going for random and... What was their motive? Because she wasn't sexually assaulted. She wasn't robbed. Okay. Just because you're an asshole and you want to kill somebody today? She's pretty. I want to kill her. And that happens, and she was beautiful, sadly. That's literally all some people need. Yep, sadly. So, who knows what the motive is? Until you find the person that actually did the killing. I wish they And would. for once, I will definitively say it. No, it wasn't fucking aliens. <laughs> Look, see? You're like, it was a dumbass, and the police didn't catch him. You know, yes, I do joke about the aliens. Just because it's fun. I'm sure it's made a few of y'all chuckle and laugh. Chuckle. Or even giggle if you want to go that route. Nyla's rolling her eyes behind yeah. her back. Constantly. She, if her eyes are open, she's rolling them. Come on. You forget who you're talking about here? But I feel this was a random act of violence. I don't know motive. I, I feel like if they took that DNA... And didn't, did the reverse genealogy that they've been doing lately, this could be solved. I feel like you're. And it also seems like somebody solved, who would do but it again. Definitely advanced. I feel like they could solve it. And for all we know, this person could could have just been passing through the area, saw saw Suzanne randomly. And it's so frustrating. Her, vehicle and her parents are so smart and so t- scientifically capable. That they're extremely frustrated with the DNA part of it. And I get that. That makes mm-hmm. because they as scientists see even better like the progress that we've made in the last 20 plus years. And you know it's driving them nuts because they're like, Can you just give me the DNA? I'll I'll handle it. Like I'm smart enough to handle this that you're not. Like, you know that's what they want to say. Oh, I'm sure. Like, can I bring it back to my lab? I got it. Thanks for your 10 year delay, but how about you give it to me and I'll go take care of it? Like, that's what you kind of want to say. And she would have done some amazing things. She was already on, she was well on her way to doing some amazing she things. She already had sound. done some amazing things, really, and truthfully, but 
I mean, when your goal is to decrease terrorism and you're, why is it always those people that get killed? Like, I'm sitting over here falling asleep after eight hours of work, like, tired. And the girl who apparently never sleeps gets murdered. That's not fair. I'm convinced she ran on caffeine. Apparently, I need to start drinking frescas. Who knew? And energy pills. <laughs> I need some frescas. I don't think I've ever had a fresca. We'll have to taste one just to see. Are, they, can... even, are they even still around? I believe so. Oh, Google. <laughs> <laughs> we shall find out. All right. You find that out. And while, if you would like to leave us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, you can leave them on Apple. You can leave them on what? Spotify. You can find us on all kinds of stuff to listen to us to you. We have a Discord. We have an Instagram that I'm horrible about updating and going to work on doing better at. Uh, we have a Facebook. Okay, so yes, fresh cuts are still around. I don't want them. Are those considered a soda? Oh, it says flavored soda, so I can't have mm. Oh, I said pineapple. It's grapefruit flavored. I was wrong. Uh, they have multiple flavors. Okay. I want to say the one that they said she liked was the pineapple. Oh, they're made by the Coca-Cola company. That's not surprising. That's where Coca Cola and Pepsi dominate the uh, well, yeah. drink market. Mountain Dew's the best from when I was drinking sodas. It was Mountain Dew. Because I'm from the South. All right. Anything you, you all jacked oh, up on you're Mountain Dew? Okay. Is this where we go? I forgot about you want to do vacation discussion. I completely yeah. forgot about so that. So, anyone who doesn't want to hear about our vacation, have yeah. a great week. <laughs> right. Bye, y'all. For those that are sticking around for the fun and games. Sorry. Yeah. We're going to have a little fun here. If you like true crime and you're still saying, you're like, I don't hear about your vacation. We went to a funeral museum. That might be your hook. All right. We got to make it quick because Luke is not going to let us talk about vacation for very long. <laughs> so the whole reason for us going to Houston was to go see Red Handed Live. Which she absolutely loved. I had a horrible viewing position. I wasn't overly interested, but hey. You liked the story. It was a fucked up story. To say the least. They did the abandoned in plain sight story for anybody who's interested. He had not heard it, of course. I'm making a point not to. So at least they picked you a wild story. (laughs) The, The only bit of true crime I dabble into in my own is... Time suck episodes from Dan Cummings. And when we came back Friday, we went and saw Dan Cummings, so you should be fine. but we saw his comedy. Not his time suck. A live time suck or a live scared to death. His true crime would have been better. No, the comedy was better. Okay. We also had an impromptu uh, mini-celebrity meeting. (laughs) So, unbeknownst to me, which I should have known this, bad me, a big race event was happening about 30 minutes from where we were staying in Houston. And I got to go see a YouTuber, actually two YouTubers that I regularly watch. He fangirled big time, big time. It was so funny. Oh, like you didn't. You were way worse than me, sir. You were way <laughs> worse than me. I did not like stand out at any point. You were just like, I want to stand by. I was like, he's taking pictures of people. I don't want to bother him right now. But I'm sorry, my interests lie elsewhere. 
That had nothing to do. He was your interest. You were just too scared to talk to him and ask for a picture. You ain't go running up to. They didn't make that offer and they were on stage. Mm. You had to pay for VIP with them. Apparently we could have paid for VIP with Dan too. Oh, well. All right. You got to see races and vroom vrooms. Yes. And it was loud and it was pretty cars and it was fast cars. And Summer now wants a very, very expensive Audi R8. <laughs> I've been one that, so that's okay. I mean, we're talking a $150,000 car plus the $250,000 worth of mods. I don't I need the $250,000 no, mods. You I don't do. need them. I need them. <laughs> well, I mean, it's never going to happen. So, in so Dreamland. We really need y'all to support us so we can buy some of this car. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> oh, God. I think we would need to start a Patreon and sell a lot of Patreons. Uh, we might actually have to start doing a tour, too. Oh, we talked about that. We can't do a tour because we can't talk in front of people because I'm too shy. Yeah. It, so, fun Clint backstory. When I was in elementary school, I... I did all the school plays and all that. I was cool with it then, up until a Christmas play. Where my little genius ass decided, hey, I'm an elf. We need tools for the little bit that we're doing. I chose one of my dad's real monkey wrenches to put in this felt belt while I'm dancing around on stage. Your parents should have stopped you from that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they tried to, and I was just a stubborn little shit. I don't like it. You continue to be. Well, mid-dance, this cast iron monkey wrench, which for anybody who's not familiar with monkey wrenches, it's probably about a two-pound tool that is solid metal, drops out of my belt and onto my toe. To my credit, I continued on with the dance. I continued on with the song. I modified the dance slightly, but I held my own, but I don't do plays. I don't do stop talking in front of people now. Um, you talk to strangers in a heartbeat, eh? Yeah, that's not you're in front of a big crowd. You're just not shy. I'm shy. Okay, but back to vacation. What did we do besides cars? We ate lots of good food. We ate too much. We knew that, but that's not what they care about. <laughs> Tell them about the funeral home thingy. We went to the National Funeral Museum. In Houston, Texas. Actually, outside of Houston, but still. It's right there. And that was actually pretty damn cool. It was cooler than I thought it was going to be. I liked it. I would get back. Would y'all like to see a picture of uh, Summer in a death chair? I don't even know what that looks like. I never even actually saw the picture. So before you can pose <laughs> that, I have to see it. Well, if the public demands it, it might have to happen regardless of whether you like I it or not. I will shoot you. Y'all heard it. If I end up shot, we have suspect number one here. Everybody knows I would do something worse than shoot you. Well, see, you're still, you're putting it out there. It's on record now. Whatever. But they had cool horses. They had like. Had a whole section on the Pope, section on mummification. Yeah. It was the National Science Museum that had the real mummies. Yeah. Yeah, we went to that. That National Science Museum in Houston is no joke. That thing's gorgeous. It. It's a little expensive to get into, but holy shit. That's some top-notch shit in there. My biggest complaint about Houston. What the fuck? No sweet tea, people. Like, one place we went to had actual sweet tea. Everybody else was like, no, we have unsweet. I'm like, that's not tea. That's we colored water. iced tea, not sweet tea. No such thing. No such thing. 
You have water and you have sweet tea. You have no in between. You can have a hot tea. I'll drink hot tea. I'm drinking hot tea right now. But no, we're not doing. Oh, so speaking of hot tea, <laughs> we found a bookstore called Murder by the Book. And it's nothing but mystery. The whole bookstore. Both fictional and nonfiction. It was heaven. And you also found your new favorite figurines at the Funeral Museum. Mm-hmm. Called Furry Bones. We're not sponsored or endorsed by them, but oh, y'all so check cute. them out. They're so cute, y'all. They have so many of them. They're adorable. We'll have to post them. You need to post those on Instagram, too. Yeah, I don't have the pictures of them. You do. I can send them to you. Oops. Well, why can't you post You're them? You're not going to tell Instagram? them about my shirt you got me? Oh, the little shirt that you have that says everything I learned, I learned from Nancy Drew. That's perfect. Or everything I know I learned from Nancy Drew, which I found and pointed out to you, by the way. I didn't walk as fast as you. I didn't seize it. We played a lot of mini golf. He kicked my ass. I won two out of three with a hole in one in both. Oh, yeah. You're such a dork. Why are we married? Don't even know. Because you're just as much of a dork. All right. We have to go to your dad's and socialize, though. I know. I don't want to socialize. Socializing is for the birds. Oh, well. Get over it. So, now that y'all have heard about our vacation. In, like, speed dose. (laughs) For anybody who may want to know more, by all means, we'll tell you. Contact us. Oh my god, you're such a weird. <laughs> hey, what'd y'all do for vacation? Like they don't care. They probably like already turned it all off. That's why I wanted you to do it at the end so they didn't turn it off at the beginning and miss the story because their case needs to be solved. Huh. Is there anything else we need to throw out there? We need to go back and look at the active serial killers in nineteen ninety eight that were in that area. In what area? In New Haven. <laughs> Excuse me. That sounds like a you project, not a me project. <laughs> it definitely does. <laughs> it definitely does. So, right. I guess we need to throw the uh, famous closing words out. Or maybe they're not so famous. I don't know. You're such a weirdo. What I mean, we're 64 episodes in, so they should be starting to get somewhat famous. <clears throat> <laughs> Remember, you love me. I can't. You're giving me a headache. I love you. So I guess you want me to say Bye y'all Loud I apologize y'all Have a great week for everybody who still listens (laughs) And thank you so much for listening to us And dealing with us And we appreciate y'all Just remember everybody needs crazy friends Yours just happen to be online Like that's all And that is. is perfectly normal in today's age Exactly You haven't met us in person Doesn't mean we're not friends we're just your weird friends down the road. That, right. That you only listen to once a week. For all you know, we're your evil lizard overlords that you've never met. And we're just doing now this Now you made boy. it weird. I made it funny. You made it weird. You're fired. Getting a new co-host. <laughs> you promise? <laughs> I could get a new co-host. You just would have to share the office. And I don't think you'd like that. No, i set you up somewhere else in the house. Yeah. <laughs> So, I guess, again, we'll say bye, y'all. Bye.